This is Jeff Thorne. I am the writer, producer, showrunner of the upcoming Avengers Black Panther's Quest TV series. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft. But I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go. Live life and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beat the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah welcome back i hope everybody's having a great week we got a lot of news to talk about and in our talk topic of the week we're going to talk about a movie that was literally over 20 years into making probably the longest project focused on since spider-man and that is battle angel alita a movie james cameron has been dying to come out with for so long it's finally here he finally had a chance to do it uh, along with some other great talents to help put this together did it measure up to his expectations as well as fans expectations we'll talk about that more in our talk topic this week but for now we got a lot of news to talk about so we're going to go into our next segment before i do that i just want to point out that I finally got a chance to beat Jump Force, uh, the new Bandai game, which I rated it a B. If you guys want to know fully what I thought about it, go back to our Select Start video game podcast uh, as I give you in great detail why it got that grade. But that grade still remains. I beat the game. Uh, It's really not easy. I'm going to tell you that. And the, the final boss battle, and if you haven't beat this game yet and you don't want to be spoiled, I do recommend fast forward in it, um, this right now because I'm going to say something in regards to this but there's a final boss in this mode I won't even say the name of the final boss but uh if you want the deal is if you want to I'm not going to say talk about the story but if you want to learn how to beat that boss because this is not an easy game what I've discovered is that the gameplay is very brutal but it's not impossible. They forced you to try to find better ways to beat the characters. The AI is really stiff. So you have to find a more innovative way. You can't go in at it the same way. And it really does help out that you try to figure out and brainstorm it. It, it really felt like, started to feel like an actual manga or anime s- situation where you're getting totally pummeled by this like ultraly uberly strong character and you have to beat the odds and that's exactly what they made you feel so in essence in some sense actually it is sort of kind of like 
an actual, it, they did give you the actual feel of the game. This is not like a casual go in and play game, at least not for the storyline portion. You really do have to go in there and beat the odds. So you got to really think of how to beat this character. So there are people who are, there are mixed reactions about the game. And I, there's a lot to be said. The game has a lot of smoke and mirrors, as I mentioned, but it is a fun game to play. If you're not a fan of that type of fighting or melee fighting or whatever, it's not for you and that's okay. But, you know, there is a crowd of people that likes this. You know, this is not Tekken. <laughs> you're, if you're looking for Tekken coming in here, you're, you're fooling only yourself and you're getting mad only at yourself for jumping in there knowing that. So, um, that, that is what it is. But the final boss is extremely challenging and hard. And if he touches you, if he touches you, guaranteed, you're going to lose a lot of energy and he will take you out very quickly. Uh, I don't know what level he is, but he is, I've made it up to level 30, 53, actually not 30. I made it to level 53 and that was still not enough to like really beat this guy, you know, you know, hand to hand, you know, it, it was just, I couldn't even... I couldn't even touch that dude, barely. And if he does, he counters you all the time. I don't know what got in me, but I went into Ultra Instinct mode and managed to beat him with a perfect. Now, granted, that was after like 25, 30 times of facing him and me like, I'm just not stopping. And all of a sudden, I just, I just got into the mode and all of a sudden, I beat him. Well, if you are having trouble beating that character... And if you're playing that character right now, you're having trouble, you know the name of the character. I won't spoil it, of course, because of the fact that it kind of, it, it's, there's a cliffhanger in the storyline that you got to really check out. But the final boss is going to be a bitch. And I'm going to tell you this, they will strip you of all of your abilities. So you're going to be asked out of doing that. So there's a way of beating them. If you want to know, you go on to talktimelive.com. And check out the video that I posted out there on how to beat him. It's just a match. It doesn't. It's not the story or anything because they block you off from doing it, uh, unless you have special, you know, equipment to you override that. But or a PC or whatever. I don't know how they're doing it actually. But there's a way to beat him. You just got to be very consistent. It's more of a reach. It's kind of a reach game. It's it's a reach and distance game. It's, you got to play it in the same way that you would be uh, you would uh, fight in a mixed martial arts fight. You got to really know you got to measure your distance and know when to jump in. So it, it's a close call, but I managed to finally beat him after all, all, like multiple times and beat him on a perfect. So there is a way to beat him. You just got to be consistent. Go on to TalkTimeLive.com. The video is up there. If you go to my Instagram page at Xavier Josiah, you can find it there. That's D A X. A V I E R J O S I A H on Instagram. You can check that out. If you're an ACMG member, you can you probably already saw it because I posted on there as well. So uh it'll be a great help for people who to learn how to actually get this dude because it's it's kind of very simple when you think about it, but it's not easy to get to him because again, if he touches you, you're done. So just wanted to let you uh, people know about that there. And the final story pretty good I, I gotta admit i liked what they did with the final story so i think as a fan i think people will enjoy that portion of it so that is all i'm gonna say for that but right now let's go into our next segment and find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg
All right, so we're going to continue where we left off last week in the discussion of the Vic Mignogna uh, allegations and such. Some new developments have come uh, as Vic Mignogna himself made a statement, another statement, on February 13th at about 8.16 p.m. on Twitter. Vic has made a statement regarding his allegations, which states the following. I'll read it to you. My desire has always been uh, to show appreciation, warmth, and acceptance to fans of my work. Being part of uh, the, this community has given both my work and my life so much meaning. If anyone has been made uncomfortable by me, it's not uh, for me to contradict them. It's impossible for me to discern uh, another's person, uh, personal boundaries. I regret anything I have said or done out of ignorance that put anyone outside of their comfort zone. I love, I love my work dearly as well as the characters I've I had the privilege to portray, but most satisfying uh, of all has been the opportunity to share the, that love of this art from uh, form with fans all around the world. I would never have met anyone, uh, I'm sorry, I would not have met any one of you without you, without it. Uh, meeting each of you has been enriched with my life. And I am humbled to have received over a thousand encouraging messages in the last few weeks. To my colleagues, I have uh, I have considered you good friends for many for so many years. We've shared countless uh, wonderful experiences together, and I never meant to do anything that uh, to offend or hurt you. Until these last few weeks, I had no idea that these anonymous or, or animosities ever uh, existed. I've never had anyone, anything but respect for you. And so I deeply regret any word or action that may, uh, that made any one of you feel otherwise. In many respects, life is about course correction and growth. So many fans have written me over the years uh, about very personal issues and struggles, and I have always done my best to encourage and support them. The truth is that I am just as super uh, susceptible to struggle and difficulties as anyone. I am I I have identified areas in which I need to grow or I need growth, and I am taking this to uh, time to uh, recommit to God and seeking counseling. I am committed to putting every effort into improving not only myself but for everybody for everyone I interact with. Each of you deserve nothing less. Finally, please be kind to one another. The very last thing that I want is for anyone to be hateful, uh, hatefully targeted, especially not on my behalf. Most sincerely, Vic Mignogna. Okay, so basically from what I'm reading, and give it be my opinion or not, he's, not, he's addressed the situation. He's not saying that he didn't, he wasn't responsible for it, but he's claiming ignorance towards it. And, you know, but, and he said, if he did, I apologize. He's not saying he's not, he's not saying he did. He's just saying he's unaware of the antics. Here's the situation. Here's the situation that I see it from a perspective from what I see, especially from talking with him a few times. Uh, and it, this could be possibly true. This could be PR. This could be. You know, this could be every bit of, you know, damage control in some cases, a PR statement done by him or representative. But I doubt it. I, I honestly really doubt it in this case because I've met him and 
this very well fits his description here. Um, but in essence of this, I, and again, I never really got that like shady vibe from him at all, ever. You know, that's not to say anything, but at the same time, his character has always been something of, you know, good nature, you know, unintentional or, or whatnot. Um, just and, and genuine and genuine. I can definitely say genuine. It just felt genuine as as opposed to some other people that I've come across to, whether it be business or whatever. I, I, you know, I use critical thinking a lot, so I do tend to get those vibes so often, every so often, at least. With Vic, it wasn't the case. And what I believe is that I, there's a possibility that I, yeah, I can definitely say in this, we don't know, but I can definitely possibly believe that he may not have been aware of what, especially after talking and doing everything that I did, you know, uh, you know, invested in this situation and the people I spoke with and the things that I read, I really think he's kind of unaware of some of the things that he does. It doesn't think that it, it really was harming people. Some people really just don't get, don't read the room properly. I'm not defending anything that he does. Because I do believe some, in some cases, people should learn or observe the situation, read the room, if you will, and understand people case by case. You just have to do that. You have, you can't live so freely and not do that. But there are people. He's not the first person I've heard. He, there are people out there who don't realize what they're doing. I know people like that. I worked with people like that where they would do some of the weirdest things or things that will just like that are considered abnormal to society that abnormal to the crowd that they're around and it just gives them a weird vibe so there are people like that out there um you know so at one point we called them geeks we called them nerds you know that's you know dorks if you will those are people who really didn't understand social cues or they weren't socially aware of what they're doing and this could be the case with Vic again not defending just acknowledging that that could be what it is I, I can say I won't even say his name and I will give him credit he has evolved since then um but there was a guy that I used to work with and he came off like really really weird to people like he had that really kind of creepy vibe but when I hung around him outside of that job he had a whole different thing going on like I got to learn more about him to understand him more but and I was probably the only one who actually told him like dude you shouldn't be doing that <laughs> and I'm like if you don't tell people head on sometimes yeah I think a lot of people expect people to everybody to understand their their world around them their 360 and that's not always the case some people just don't realize until somebody tells them now once they tell you and once they inform you of the situations or how they feel whatever like that it's up to the person to react accordingly to whether they're going to respect their wishes or keep doing the same thing that's when it gets down to so if Vic is pleading ignorance to what he is, now he's aware. Let's see if he does it now. Let's see what happens after the fact that he is so aware, heavily aware of this situation and does it now. Uh, again, you have, I mean, when situations like this, you have to tell people. This is why if you're around somebody who 
kind of is kind of weirds you out in some cases you have to step up and actually kind of tell people especially in this day and age you know what is bothering you because the other the idea is just to like walk away from the dude or try to or the person or try to avoid the person at all costs you know hopes that but sometimes that, that, that's not a thing sometimes people don't aren't aware of what they do or say and don't realize that it's not it's a big no to do that could be the situation here with Vic and again I, I judge it from the people I've spoken to from his inner circle it really just come off because they said you know he does weird stuff he does some really interesting things especially when it comes to the religion factor um, whether it be fans or you know colleagues and they you know he, he, he does it unbeknownst to him that it annoys them or you know he, he forces his opinions or whatever he has his ego or whatever he's able to do it because nobody's stopping him from doing it so now people are stopping him from doing it he is addressing it let's see how this go from this point on you know it was again this came off to me very genuine let's see where this goes and if he does it again after this then it's on him this is like this is almost like kind of the you know there are people who've done this before no i wouldn't say do this before um I, I don't want to compare him to OJ because it's like, okay, OJ got to quit it, but, and we figured he would just lay low. No, he went and did the same stupid stuff, but I don't want to compare them. There's a two big contrasts from there, but, uh, let's just see where this go from here. I just, I, I will give him credit for not backing down on any of this, uh, for being, cause again, normally when people are, are actually, you know accused of this type of situation and get from my experience they hide away there's patterns there's patterns of wrongdoing that happens and once the wrongdoing is discovered there are patterns where people tend to hide away where they try to you know lie to the end to do it or they don't say anything at all he did not do this he addressed it he came forward to it he apologized you know in a sense um, you know, this, this really was a, you know, an apology letter. Um, but it's, it's really, it's like, and he said he's going to seek counsel. So it's, again, this is him not denying anything. And the fact that he said, I'm going to counsel, going to seek counseling. This is him coming out of the blue and just like, I'm going, I understand it. I see the issue. I was not aware of the issue. I'm going to do what I can to fix the issue. So, it, yeah, there's some cases it feels very, um, you know, it's a mix between PR and, you know, damage control and uh, and genuine. And there's a little bit of genuineness to it as well. And we'll see how this goes. I, I do commend him for just coming out. You know, it, this is the best thing that he could have done in this situation. Uh, better than other people that I've seen that are accused of the similar situations or worse. So I've always said, like, the best thing you should do is come out and address it. Um, Neil Kaplan, too. I want to talk about that as well. Neil Kaplan was accused by Emily Lloyd around that same time. Well, I get credit to Neil. He actually has stepped up and is, you know, he's he's not back down, not once in this situation. Um, he's pretty much more than pleaded his innocence in this case. But he also claimed that he had more evidence of the situation and he was looking to see if they were going to uh he was going to be able to get in touch with emily lloyd through 
the through you know from a organizer a middle person you know from the con or whatever uh he's still tweeting strongly out there he's still um on social media strongly emily has not spoken out since i don't know what's going on with that situation but i i rather it's going to be good this must be good on his and we'll see i don't know what if any develops come up but Right now, he's uh, he's doing his thing. He's standing his ground on this whole thing. So uh, we'll see on that note. I mean, both more or less Vic than anything. Um, I'm hoping that he does seek help, uh, like he said he was going to do, and hopefully things can turn around because right now it's just going to turmoil. Um, so far, Rotten uh, Teeth and Funimation, which to me Funimation is a big one, uh, have cut ties with them at all costs at this at this time at least. Um, this video, we haven't heard anything from him yet or any other place that he's ever done work with, but we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this turns down. But so far it's just those two and you know, I wish him well. I, in some cases, there's gotta be, and I, I've, I've spoken about this. I asked about this. Is there a point or a limit that one is forgiven for the situations? And I've talked to some of the people in our Facebook group. Most of them say yes. Most of them have said yes under, you know, circumstances, case by case basis. I agree with that. I do believe that it has to be a case by case basis. I do believe as a society of fear and a state of fear that we're in right now in this society, because yes, we are in a state of fear. We have to take into account of that. We have to own up to that. We have to own up to that. People are in such a state of fear right now that they can't forgive the minute somebody does anything wrong, despite the fact that nobody's perfect and everybody's done something, that it, it's just, the difference is he's being he's being pointed out in front of millions and th- or at least tens of thousands of people in this case, um, you know about his case. But people have done other wrongs before. Hell, I've had my own wrongs when I was in high school. I did a lot of things. I I regret. I, I will say, yeah, I, I both, I would say regret and deny. I don't deny. But uh, because, I mean, I could have had a better direction in life going in, in the right direction, but things happen. It does. But I learned from those situations. I've recovered from those situations and I evolved from those situations. And you have to allow people to do that under circumstances. You know, it just, it's a case by case base. I think they're just with everything going on people are just in a state of fear they at this point in their mindsets i believe people just want to rid themselves of all forms of evil but it's not as black and white as that some things require definite you know situations as well definite you know evaluations to see if there's something worth digging back and and, and reflecting on it and it, you know and giving a second chance i i do believe in second chances only second chances <laughs> to, to the same situation because you can't keep doing it after a while it's just like after the second time it's like no you know um I, you know i do want to point out speaking of which a big shout out and thank you to my client danny reeves um i she called me up uh a few days ago and said that she was going to be her herself and her uh she does a lot of she's on social media a lot she has a twenty thousand um following on facebook and I believe, um, you know, a following in other forms of social media. But she has a big following out there. And uh, she's been working hard 
you know, doing events and gatherings and social and, and events and everything, working with, you know, a lot of different companies in Philadelphia here uh, and, and really established people. One of which is Sam Anion, who is an attorney, uh, I believe an injury attorney, who is focusing on sexual misconduct and assault and all those cases as of, as a recent due to the recent situation. So she had the opportunity to do a live stream video with him, which a lot of our ACMG members got a chance to see because I posted on there. I felt it was very important to do so on air. I posted on my page. You could go to Danny Reeves, spelled D-A-N-I. R E Reeves spell R E A V E S and check that out. If you guys want any information, any legal inf- information regarding sexual assault and at the workplace or just in whatever or any or an event or whatever like that or a club, you know, go out to them because they provided a lot of useful information for you to know. Some information on where to call if you are in situations like that. It was very useful. I, um, she called me up, told me that she was going to do this, so I did a video myself for the, for facebook and uh acmg and let them know that it was going to be there because i again i want to keep everybody safe i want to help protect and save everybody as much as i can and for us to do so to each other and help each other you know to create a safer fun community so we can have fun and keep doing all the stuff that we want to do without any worries of all this crap so uh thank them both for taking the time to do that it was really cool for them awesome for them to do that so i just want to give a shout out there so moving on Real quick, I definitely want to bring this up. Uh, I watched a show on uh, TNT called Drop the Mic. It's by Method Man and Haley Beaver. Uh, they host a show. I knew you guys, have, some of you guys have seen it before. The reason why I'm bringing this up because the guest that they had this week was Jason Muse and Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, Jay and Silent Bob, once again, you know, doing their thing. So the deal is that they do rap battles. They, they do, you know, they battle each other rap wise. And yes, they have ghostwriters. Obviously, some of them do have ghostwriters when they do it. Like there's you see some of the guests that are on air. A lot of them celebrity guests are on air and you just know that they are not they're really not uh you know, they're not lyricists by any stretch, you know, only a few people I think that really have, you know, put together their own stuff, but most of them, if they're not, if there's somebody, they're not unfamiliar, they got ghostwriters or whatever, but even still, they still have to perform the actual deal and really pull it off and sound legit like they do. And a lot of them surprisingly do. I was, I could not wait to see Kevin Smith and Jason Mews on air. It was awesome. Go out of your way to see it. It's on this week's, um, you know, they they don't pull any punches. They talk about his heart attack. <laughs> they talk about, you know, Jason talks about his heart attack. Kevin talks about his uh, drug problem. They just go, I mean, they're best. They're really, really best friends. And they do talk about, Kevin does talk about how, you know, Ke- Jason was there, went at the hospital. Like, very emotional when he had that heart attack. So, I mean, they've been best friends for years. And Kevin was there for him when he was going through the drug problem. I love these two so much because of not the movies that they made together, not just the movies that they made together, but the ongoing undeniable friendship. This is true friendship. This, I wish I had friends like that. It is undeniable, like unconditional friendship and love that these guys have for each other and they looked out for each other for so long he helped him he helped jason recover i mean this is very documented story they talked about this so many times on the smodcast and everything it's awesome shout out to both of them um i love those two they're very great inspirations to me i mean kevin smith is like a hero to me because clerks literally helped me 
get the hell out of my damn, um, you know, retail job. I was working retail for like seven years. Um, and, you know, was, I was doing pretty good there. You know, it was just at the times it was, you know, just with, at the level I was at at the time. And I, within that level, I was evolving. I kept doing, becoming supervisor um, and managers or whatever within that in very short times. But uh, there was a time I was just like, I felt like I was getting like trapped and stuck. And like many people, because they get so comfortable in those environments. Once you get in retail, it's like you get in a state of mind. It's like you get a weekly paycheck. You get into a situation. You get into a comfort zone. But within that comfort zone, there's an illusion of a comfort zone in there. But it's all the stupid drama that goes on there, the management that always tries to, you know, screw you over, the bosses and everything, the, you know, the sometimes the payroll doesn't go away. it's just all sorts of stupid stuff that we go through every day and i built i'd done that for like seven years and it was just a time i was just i was burnt out and then somebody when i was working at the art store in south street somebody actually you know put me down on uh clerks and how passionate she was about it and i watched it and i'm like this is the life i'm living right now but at the very end when Kevin, when Randall and, uh, and I forgot, Dante and Randall were fighting because Randall and Randall told him off. It's like, because he kept saying, I'm not supposed to be here. And, it, you know, Randall was like, well, if you're not supposed to be here to get the hell out, quit. What are you doing? You know? And it just, it, it, it really, really opened me up. And I was like, at this point, there was a time I was like, I'm fed up. I'm done. I'm done. I am so done with this. And then I just said, I'm worth more than this. I'm better than this. And I end up, you know, working on getting a corporate job, which I ended up getting. And I did that for over 10 years until now. I just decided to get into doing freelance work now because I've done the corporate thing already. I know how shady and crappy that is. It's just an upper echelon version of a retail job with the same comfort zone, the same paycheck and everything. It, it's it's just crazy but kevin smith you know clerks man they they helped me do it so you know i'm taking a big risk but you know i honestly from a health standpoint from a mental health standpoint it's the best thing i've ever done it's literally the best thing i've ever done i mean if this is my last road i have no regrets <laughs> taking this road going down and this at this point but you know the life of just being able to create and do and do this podcast and all this stuff you know and and just you know, working on the road to getting what I want to do. You know, this is the tr- this is what the American dream is all about, or what it used to be. I don't know what the hell a lot of people in this generation consider it now these days, with everything going on. But you know, I still believe in that. I still believe in it. But you know, shout out to Kevin Smith. It was a great actual uh, battle that those two had. Go out of your way to check it out. The whole episode was awesome too, because there was two more, um, you know, people in there too that really killed it as well. But the Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes battle, rap battle segment, awesome. Go out of your way to check it out there. Uh, shout out to Chris, uh, to Charles Fisher in our ACMG Facebook group. Just this morning, he actually posted, because I actually forgot all about this. I really forgot all about this. The Crunchyroll Awards. I talked about this a while back, a few episodes back, and talked about the nominees and everything. And they actually have the winners. They I don't know why they just now showed the winners because I'm pretty sure they the award ceremony was a month or two ago back because I saw Chris Sabat Sabat actually won the award. But I'm gonna run down the winners of this award. Some may shock some of people. Some people. So here we go. 
The Crunchyroll Awards is as follow. Best opening sequence, Darling and the Franks. Gotta look at that. Uh, gotta check out the anime. It looks really cool, like a really cool mech anime. Best ending sequence, Attack on Titan Season 3. I'm sure people are happy about that. Best boy character, Izuku Midoriya. I think I voted for him, actually, on there. Best girl character, Mai Sak- uh, Sakura, Sakura Jima uh, from Rascals Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. I love these crazy, witty titles. Uh, best... Best voice acting performance in Japan. Mamoru Miyani. Miyanu, actually. Um, I think I've heard that name before. Best voice performance, US. Christopher Sabat. I knew that was going to be a no brainer right there. I, I think I voted for him too. He does a, I mean, he does a lot of characters, an insane amount of characters. So, and they, yeah, he addressed it already on the, um, on his Twitter page as well. Funny part about that was that. He actually, I believe he might have said that All Might was the best role he's ever played. And somebody did a meme for it where it shows that he quoted that and said that. Or he, no, he did actually say that. I think he did say that on a tweet. And he said that. And then below the, the meme showed Vegeta crying. <laughs> so there's that situation right there. Uh, best fight scene. This is highly debatable. This one actually, I was very surprised at this because where I thought the best fight scene of the year based on hype, based on, uh, you know, views and, and, and just everybody was talking about this, but it didn't win. Instead, best fight scene, all for one versus all might. Now, take note, I have seen that fight as well. It is a great fight. It is an awesome fight. I don't think it was the best fight by far. I thought the best fight went with Goku and Jiren, especially which led to Goku turning into Ultra Instinct mode. How did that not win? Or even not only that, but him in Frieza versus Jiren. How the hell did that fight not win? I don't understand. I don't know if they were focusing on just one on one or just in fight in general, but come on, man. That's insane. That is utterly insane. Um, there were other people, however, that were mentioning another fight that I actually never got a chance to see because I'm not that far into the series, but the fight with Naruto and Sasuke versus Mamoshiki. And that's from Baruto's, uh, Naruto's Next Generation. I haven't got a chance to see that. And I think that might be the fight scene which led to the supposed demise of Naruto. I still don't know if anybody's listening to this in, in front of a uh, Facebook group. Don't spoil this for me. But... I still don't know whether he is still alive or not from that whole thing, but that I heard, I've seen, I've seen a clip of that fight, and it is cool. But I do think, just from an animation standpoint, from a uh, fight sequence standpoint, uh, that Jiren and 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 Goku fight was ridiculous, and it was hyped up to be almost like a pay per view must see pay per view fight. Like they hyped it up huge for that. They were. The, the internet broke the night, the day that that came out. So, again, yeah, because the, the, yeah, the internet broke basically because it was on, uh, it was on streaming both on Crunchyroll and Funimation, you know, simulcast. And it broke the internet. I, I could not get in to watch it. I had to wait till the next day to watch it. That in the final episode. So I, it, I really, really don't understand how that won. That's crazy. Now, funny thing is, because I voted for Jiren and Goku, thinking like, that was gonna definitely win. Here's the thing, here were some funny things about 
I was re I, I immediately read the comments and see what they thought about it either. Um, some of them read the Naruto and the other one, and the other ones read other you know fights as well. My case is like my pet peeve about when people complain is that I guarantee you the people that complained were not the people that voted because we had this situation with our best of. Uh, 2018 episode where people were voting and then we revealed their votes and people didn't want to like bitch and moan I'm like no you can't bitch and moan because you did not vote that's how it works if you don't vote your vote doesn't get you know it doesn't count for it you know whether it does or not but like you can't complain if you did not vote at all you just can't like shut the hell up (laughs) you know I swear to goodness Sometimes I swear, with all the complaining that people do on the internet, we I, we just all need to we need to get it. <laughs> I swear, uh, I, I you know if, especially if we're adults and, and older people, like we need we need to be relieved intimately. <laughs> I swear the world will be a better place if otherwise. Because sometimes I think people were just are pent up and just going into the internet and just complaining about everything these days. We just just release relax relate release <laughs> in this case but uh yeah people this is not a kids podcast i just want to point out so um but i digress uh where we at now best protagonist uh rimuru rimuru uh tempest from that time i got reincarnated into a slime i gotta really check out that uh anime i've heard really really great things about the anime it is available both on crunchyroll and funimation and english dub as well so i'm actually going to check that out soon i've heard way too many things about that best antagonist all for one i'm debating on that one he was a great um, antagonist but all for one was not on there on it on like my hero academia nearly enough to really do anything like you want to you got to be to me a great antagonist has to be in multiple episodes and throughout those episodes really do some really crazy antagonistic type of things throughout the episodes i'll give you a great example of a great antagonist yujiro hamna yujiro hamna from baki the original series the first season the second season that dude is one of the most vicious antagonists ever (laughs) he the stuff that he did he was like legit the devil. He was ever equivalent to Akuma. I mean, just devilish as hell, man. He he gave zero to anybody in that in that deal. I mean, that's to me is an antagonist. Um, Goku Black will be an antagonist. As much as I didn't like the ending of that saga, he was there throughout different episodes. All for one was like there for like only maybe three episodes, maybe. And what did he really do at that point? You know, I don't I think that was I don't know what went into that vote right there either. So I don't know. I I think there could have been probably way better, you know, villains in there for that category. Uh, Best animated. And I don't even remember who I voted for either. That's the worst part. Uh, Best animation. Violet Evergarden. Uh, that did look amazing. Uh, best character design, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Win. I'm assuming, I haven't seen this series yet. Um, I'm still on the Diamond is Unbreakable series on Toonami. So I'm assuming after Diamond is Unbreakable is out, this is going to be the next one. up, And I'm hoping this is the one with the Jodeci ending sequence. Because I need to, I've, we've seen um, 
clips of that episode of uh, of the ending sequence and people are claiming that this is real i do believe it because there are ending sequences that are playing real music on jojo's bizarre adventure and i love them i don't understand why they didn't get best ending sequence for me because they're using actual music and they have beautiful eccentric art styles in the actual in actual uh you know and it's like a whole collage of different really cool design work that is, you know, sc- scrolling over to like paneling to the left uh, or the right in the series. It's awesome. I love I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventures ending sequences. And then to top it off, they're using actual legit classic legendary music, pop songs, rock songs. And uh, in this case, R&B, because Jodeci of all things is on there. <laughs> Uh, like Freaking You, I think, is one of the songs that they're using for it. It is awesome. I hope that that is real. So if I was told it was, but if it is, I'm hoping it's on Go to Win, and I'm looking forward to seeing it just for that alone. Uh, so you got that. Best Continuing Series, Dragon Ball Super. And that I think I voted for that, too, and I was I was skeptical about that. But apparently they, there will be new episodes coming soon. So, yeah, it is Continuing Series at this point. Best director, and I totally, absolutely, 100% agree with this, and I might have voted for this as well. Best director, Masaki Yuasa, which is the director of Devilman Crybaby. If you have not seen that on Netflix, go out of your way. It is it, as intriguing and beautiful and emotional and just, oh, I can't, there's not enough words to speak about how great this movie, I can't articulate enough words to talk about how well, this movie is just direction, just uh, directional wise. It really, really touched on a lot of issues going on today, uh, and surprisingly, in U.S. society, I really was not expecting any type of you know situations that it would be touching based on our ideology and our things is going on in our world. It was really awesome to, uh, to be awesomely done by this guy. And um, go out of your way to see it if you haven't seen it. I mean, art direction is one thing. It does. It goes a really different art direction-wise. goes really different from your normal traditional anime. But if you focus on the story itself, the people involved, the message that they're giving here, the message that they're providing, it's that's go, it's based upon what's going on today in, in our country alone in the U.S. here. Awesome. Just absolutely awesome. Best film. I have not seen this yet, and I do attend to soon. My Hero Academia, Two Heroes. Now, granted, I know people are probably, if they haven't, or if they didn't know about this award ceremony, they probably haven't realized this award ceremony came out way before Dragon Ball Super Brawly came out. So, if you're thinking Dragon Ball Super Brawly should have got this award, only know that this award ceremony came out way before the release of that movie so uh take that for consideration i there's a possibility that dragon ball super broly could have actually won and it may win for this year so don't worry stay tuned for that as well so those were all the award ceremonies for that some i some i expected some i don't have an you know my only beef is that my biggest beef is the fight scene when i i I truly believe there were better fight scenes. And I'm not taking anything away from the All Might versus All for One fight. I'm just saying, like, eh. <laughs> I've seen better. I've seen better in that case. And I, it's, it's amazing. It, it is what it is. But we'll see what gets it next year and what happens next year in the world of anime from there. 
Uh, some other cool news that has been reported is that I don't. I believe Nickelodeon might be doing this, but Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will be doing an animated crossover based on the IDW comic book series that came out in 2015. If you guys didn't get a chance to see those uh, or read those comic books, the, it's so awesome the way they put that together. Um, it's not the cartoony turtles either. It's just like the the original comic book style, you know, turtles uh that they you know we originally known and teaming up with batman really good writing in that one so they're gonna definitely do that soon i don't know if it's coming out on t on it as a tv syndication or is it going to be a movie version coming out in digital on dvd or whatever blu-ray so i do know what i understand or i've read is that uh troy baker will be voicing both batman and the joker in this one if you guys first of all if you're into animation and the actors involved, Troy Baker, he's like the top dude. He he's the George Clooney of of uh, animation and video games, in this case. And every time I hype him up, I always think I'll never get to talk to this guy. But uh, you never know. I, I got a chance to you know get my hands on Kevin Conroy, so you never know. But uh, he is like one of the top rated and well paid <laughs> actors in animation and video games. Uh, he's like that guy that gets the exclusive contract because he is so damn talented. I remember the first time I really discovered him wasn't in any animation or anything like that. It was on um, the game Infinity Blade, one of the original, one of, and still to me the best, the greatest mobile game of all time. He did the voice of uh, part three of that game, and uh, I was deeply intrigued by but what he's done like he, he he sounded like goliath from um from uh gargoyles and i which makes me hope and pray that they actually do that movie they don't all the disney's doing all these live action movies of the of the animated series they need to do gargoyles like yesterday i pray that, that that's a means to them doing it and if i anybody to do that voice they should give they should put troy baker in a, a, as goliath they really should uh rely on him but also do note about him as well as that he's voiced batman and the joker before on batman arkham origins the video game so he's done this is not his first time doing it he's done it before and he's done the joker too he he does a really he he's the closest to a mark hamill joker as you can get he did a great job you know getting the essence of mark hamill's joker when he did that so i was really impressed with that because i believe rocksteady wasn't doing that game somebody else another company did that game and kevin conroy couldn't do that voice or nor did uh mark hamill uh so he did i know he did one i think he did the joker and somebody else did um batman's voice for that game in particular but then they both came you know mark hamill and kevin conroy came back for the final arkham asylum game as well so that was you know that was that uh also noted that tara strong will be once again reprising her role as harley quinn as well as poison ivy so you know always the always lovely and talented tara strong as well uh and it, it's really funny i've never seen her. she's only done voice acting and i've never seen her neither of them do live action it's really interesting because if you've seen these people in person they like you're looking at them like these are really really attractive looking people why aren't they in real live action like 
they could easily be a live action uh, shows. But that's an interesting thing. I've I'd never I've looked at both of the IMDb's and I've never seen a show that they've been on where it was live action. I mean, some people just got the love for doing this. It's really awesome, but neither of them are ugly. I can tell you that. Uh, Hulu. In other news, Hulu may be targeting canceled Marvel series for their own network. Now, this is one of those believe it when you see it type of things. Uh, but in an interview with uh, the rap, Craig Urich, which is the who is the senior vice president of originals at Hulu. And when I say originals, means original content for Hulu, uh, such as the Runaways and all that stuff and other shows that they have on there. Um, but he voiced his interest for any titles involved with the Marvel brand. Hulu has made a great success with the exclusive Marvel series Runaways. I, again, I've talked about this show religiously. And if you have not seen the Runaways, you are missing out on some great, great, great Marvel series, which is absolutely connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Season two has uh, confirmed it when they mentioned Wakanda on air. And, um, yeah, I was very happy. I was very happy about that, amongst other things in there that showed that reassured me that they're connected. Uh, so it was awesome because last the first season, it was like they never really pointed out. It was wasn't really obvious as to whether they really pointed out whether they connected or not. But the mention of Wakanda on there. Yeah, it was a no brainer on there. So uh, we'll see. I mean, my thoughts on this. Things are changing. Um there may be some possibilities to them for what I understand that it could possibly happen. I would love to see Daredevil and Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist. But again, from what we know is that there's a two year uh, deal that Netflix has where they can't um, that these pro- these uh, properties can't be used. And the fact that Netflix will always have the seasons that they have on their show because they're Netflix exclusives. So they'll always have those episodes there as well. So um, which is cool because it, it actually cool for everybody. If Netflix can still keep those episodes, that means even if Hulu has brand new episodes continuing the sagas of those, I'm not sure if they'll rather they'll probably have to pay for those episodes from Netflix or they won't and just continue it on anyway. And that will give the opportunity for Netflix to still have their fan base on there. And then, you know, people have to get Hulu or people with Hulu can continue it from there. So it's a kind of a win-win situation in this case if they do that. So we'll see. I, I would hope that they do and they can. We'll see. But it'll take two years for them to do it for what I understand. Um, speaking of streaming networks, Loki is coming to is the first series announced for Disney Plus. Um, that is an intriguing show to want to watch. Tom Hiddleston is reported to reprise his role as the beloved uh, vilified trickster himself. So that is also a plus. I mean, that's a great deal. I mean, I, in all honesty, I do not intend on getting Disney Plus. Maybe if they do the, you can buy a month of it or something like that. You know, I'll check it out just to, you know, watch this entire series or whatnot. But I, I, I got too many on my plate already. I got way too many on my plate already. I actually did get a chance to um, check out Doom Patrol, by the way. Go out of your way to check it out. That's all I'm going to say. It is a really, really good series. Uh, the first episode on there. So go out of your way to check it out. Brendan Fraser is back. <laughs> I love this version of Brendan Fraser. I love the entire cast. Timothy Dalton is actually taking on the role of the uh, 
of the doctor that's in there. Um, which is surprising because he wasn't the original guy. So I don't know if he's going to be there for the entire season or whatnot. I don't know what, why the change happened, but Timothy Dalton is, is awesome. Is awesome uh, on the show. But I digress. According to the Hollywood Press, Michael Walterin uh, of Rick and Morty will be the showrunner for this series. So they found their showrunner on here. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Walden will write the pilot episode as well as executive produce and uh, uh, the episode as well as be the show's recognized as the show's creator. So that is uh, that's kind of inspiring. You know, all I say, I say this. I'm not saying don't get streaming networks, but if you're like a person like myself who kind of is on a budget with these things and as much as you want to see these things, you can only buy so many streaming networks. I'm just saying buy the ones that you're going to invest in heavily. Invest in the ones that you're going to watch heavily, in other words. I mean, if you got the money to, to waste, that's fine, but you got to take it for what it is sometimes you i mean some of these it's just like you're just gonna buy it but you're not gonna watch everything you're not gonna only watch one thing it's really not worth it to get it and and it does add up and if you're cord cutting to do this do your math before you truly do it because i did my episode if you go back i did an episode and talk about that where i did the math and like of all these streaming networks you're not really cutting the cord (laughs) i'm just i'm just telling you right now do the math on that one so I, I, it'll be interesting. Tom Hiddleston, one of the biggest attractions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, from what I understand, there's rumors that is based on the past and not the recent because of what he has done. But also, if he if there's a low key episode, I don't know how they're going to do this. It's going to be based when Thor is not in the world because you got to think, you know, Thor has got to be a part of this in some to some extent. I don't know where they go, how they're going to do this and how they're not going to interact with him or, you know, Lady Sif maybe on air. You know, I, I don't... This is going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Who are going to be reprising their roles in this thing? Is he going to be in Asgard? Is he going to be traveling? I, I'm very interested to see where this is going. So, I is definitely... I mean, it's not the first time a dead dude is going to be back in a series because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is also coming back uh, this summer and Coulson is back in some form or fashion so we'll see they have a way of doing this this is marvel of course you gotta understand when people die they don't really die so if you are a true marvel fan you know this i mean charles xavier is there is reincarnation personified (laughs) in the marvel universe so we will see from there but folks that will do it for this edition of what is new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and talk about my review of the much it's, I hate to say that too much, but it is. It is much anticipated for core, for hardcore, hardest of the hardcore anime and uh, manga fans. But it's here. We're finally, finally here. Battle Angel Alita is here. Doesn't measure up. We're going to talk about it right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. 
TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. Hey, this is Bob Camp, co-creator of The Ren Stimpy Show, and you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You're the most advanced weapon ever. But that's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. I do not stand by in the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. It is a heart. I need you to destroy a girl called Alita. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thanks for joining us. And we are here to talk about our review of Battle Angel Alita, or in James Cameron's case, Alita, Battle Angel. It's known that he does a lot of movies that has to have T, N, or A with it. So that's his deal. I don't understand that kick, but he decided to change the words around so you know that he's actually working in it. And in this case, I don't care because what he was able to do, along with Robert Rodriguez was create what I could possibly say is one of the best manga anime adaptions I've ever seen. <laughs> this movie was sensational, was awesome, was uh, spectacular even in my case. And from a standpoint that just visually, it was just, oh my God, I, I words can't describe how visually stunning. Now, I st- I'm, I'm a firm believer that I, I, I stand by uh, Ghost in the Shell. I actually didn't think there was any problem with that. People had beef about that, you know, the controversy with uh, with Scarlett Johansson doing it. I didn't have a problem because they kind of really made sense of why she was in that shell or whatever or not. So it was okay, but it wasn't, it didn't blow me away. This one, far and away, blew me away. Um, I watched this movie and, say, and had the same experience and and feeling that I had when watching Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And I say that from a standpoint that scene from scene, they took from this, from the manga and the anime OVA. They took, they took splices from both and combined the two together in such an elaborate way and gave it way more depth than you ever can imagine. I've never read the manga, but I, after watching this, I am going to actually read more of the manga. Now I'm, I got to find it. I got to find a way to get my hands on it somehow and really li- read on this thing because I've, uh, I grew up it, during the 90s. I think uh, it came out like 95 or something like that. And, and you know, the t- when we were tape trading and all that stuff, um, I got a chance to see it on VHS and it was one of the original animes that I got to see along with, you know, Dragon Ball Z, um, the Android movie, 
was one. Fist of the North Star was one of the first really hardcore anime movies. I mean, a, a hardcore animes I've seen. Now, you got to take note. I did watch Star Blazers and uh, Speed Racer and, and, and uh, Battle of the Planets and all that stuff way before it, the term anime came on. But I think the term really came, you know, when, when I watched those movies like Battle Angel Alita and and, um, you know, M.D. Geist and all those other really cool hardcore animes. We don't get that many of those type of animes anymore these days. But when I got to see those, uh, that's when it turned Japanimation, which is no longer, you know, it's it. they killed that off. And now anime is the, the term that we've uh, adopted, you know, for this for this era, for this, you know, generation. But... Battle Angel Alita was one of the first that I've seen, and I've never, I watched the anime, you know, when I was a teen, ages ago, right, right around the time of 1995, 96, that range, and it was, first of all, it was a sight to see, a beautiful thing to see, it was just, it. this was such an adult-oriented, um, you know, show, and this was, you know, as a teen, you are so fascinated with anime, because you're thinking you're watching, you I think anime, when as a teen back in the day, not this generation anime, the our generation anime, because we didn't have it wasn't as diluted as far as continuity as it is now. Like some of the some of these some of the anime today is a little bit, just a little bit more diluted as far as depth and in character and in, in, in grittiness. And I mean, there were some really like if our parents really knew what we were watching, I doubt if they would really let us watch it because it was like blood. It was violent. It was, you know, very sexually oriented. Um, just, I mean, just really, it was just like, but to our parents, we were just watching cartoons, <laughs> you know, you know, in hopes that they didn't run in on us during some of the more scavy or violent scenes or whatever like that to discover it. But we got to see a little bit of adulthood through these movies because these were like rated R cartoons or animated animations at the time. And it, it was just amazing. Battle Angel Alita was just one of them, but with a gripping, really cool story along with it. So for those who have never watched the anime OVA or play or read the, um, the actual manga, Japanese comic, if you guys don't know, um, I'll give you the story. This version story, at least, but it's really doesn't shy away from the original story. It, they did an amazing job here. Uh, the story is in the 26th century comes two types of social stratifications: the Iron City or the Iron Scrap City. Uh, the Iron Scrap City is what they call it in the actual um, anime, uh, or the Scrap Iron City. I forgot that's what it was, um, which is what they call it in the anime, where people live in the slums trying to survive. And then there's the skies. It, and the Sky City, um, pretty much the Sky City is also known as uh, Zalem. So what they do in the Sky City is a uh, much, it's it's literally um, upper echelon, if you will. It's the highest of high stratifications up there. And, you know, people are, are rich, they're, you know, extravagant, they're wealthy, um, you know, they're on that level. And then Anything that they consider trash goes into the scrapyard, which is being dumped from miles, miles high into the sky, into the ground. So you have that and just just nothing but broken, you know, body like robotic body parts and, and just all types of machinery in there. And is there where Dr. Ito, played by Christopher Waltz, 
who looks actually really a, much like the anime, the uh, anime and manga version, uh, finds the remains of the cyborg that is still alive. In fact, uh, and he brings back to life thanks to his cybernetic body that he was that he had already. And he names her. He names the girl Alita on the account that uh, she does not have any memory of her past. Alita searches hard to remember who she is and where she comes from. Uh, meanwhile, a man named Vector, played by Mahershala Ali, the Oscar award-winning uh, Mahershala Ali, a.k.a. Cottonmouth, is in the search of Alita as, she, uh, see, as he sees her as a threat to his, uh, to his master's ha- uh, hand. Uh, Vector sets out to destroy her before she can remember anything as well as retrieve something that is very valuable within Alita. So that's where kind of the storyline goes from there. But I got to talk about the standout cast. This was just an awesome, absolutely awesome cast. Rosa uh, Sar- uh, Salzer plays Alita. I've never heard of this actress before, but she moved me in this uh, series with playing the uh, lead character. Alita, gotta, I got to mention this. Alita is the name on the movie, but in the actual manga and the OVA, she's known as Gali. I don't know why she's named Gali in the anime series, but I felt Alita was better. So uh, they decided to change her name to Alita. And there's a reason. They connect the reason as to why they did it, too. And I like the fact that they did. So that was that was one of the things that was really cool. But her role in this was very believable. Uh, heartwarming. You really you, it was there was a point in the movie where in the beginning where she war- she like warmed your heart like a Disney mascot character. But by the end of it, you were cheering for her because she became a leader, a statement, a meaning, a movement. You know, and I love it. You know, it's amazing with this movie. This movie took over 20 years to come. It it was being thought of, thought about in 1995 with the minute James Cameron caught wind of it. Uh, I believe uh, director Del Toro, um, f- believe uh, of uh, Pacific Rim. I think he, from what I understand, what I read, he was the one that got him uh, into this manga and got him to understand it. And that's his fa- and James Cameron's fascination for this came about. We, I've heard about this movie, him wanting to make this movie, dating so far back. But the deal with this movie is that. It what he could never make the movie the way he wanted to because the technology of that at the time wasn't there. This man was so like I said before. This man is so ahead of his time because he knew this and he was he knew that sooner or later we were going to get to a era where we'll be able to do this. And he was he knew he's a I he almost call him a futurist in this case, but he knew we were going to get to this point. And now they picked the right time, and it, it, it's here. And I think. They did a tremendous job. Uh, like I said, Christopher Walsh played Dr. Dyson Ito. Got to know this. Um, in the actual manga and I believe... No, in the anime, they just call him Dr. Ito, I believe. In the manga, he's known as Daisuke Ito in there. So, But again, they really, really picked a, uh, a uncanny-looking version of... Of Dr. Ito, because if you watch the anime and see the character design there, then you see Christopher Walsh. They do look exactly alike. Like, 
he he just literally comes to life. I don't mean they didn't even have to do too much makeup on the guy <laughs> for him to look like it. Uh, Jennifer Colony as uh, Sharon, which is the ex-wife of Doctor Ito, um, also in the anime as well. So that was pretty awesome to have on her. And I mean, I swear to goodness, it's almost watching this movie and their roles and the scenes that they had. It was almost literally like they just read the manga for their script. That was it. Like, the manga was their script, or they watched the anime just to get seen. Like, the, and the anime was the storyboard, the animatronic storyboard. Because there were, I mean, just so many different scenes that were just like the movie. It was spit, almost a spitting image in some cases. I loved it. Uh, Mahershala Ali is Vector, and uh, Vector is in the anime, I believe. I'm not sure if he's in the. Uh, I'm pretty sure if he's in the anime version, he is also in the uh, manga version as well. But there's some differences between the two, and I'll talk about those differences between the anime and the, um, I mean, the yeah, the anime and the movie version too as well, the standouts. This one was cool. Ed Crean, uh, who many know as Ajax from Deadpool, the, the really charismatic, good-looking GQ-like uh, main bad guy in the movie. Like... I, I always thought like he never he doesn't really look like a doctor professor and I thought they did that on purpose and I thought that was awesome that he did it but here he plays the the character Zapan which is one of the hunter warriors that you see on the anime and that you read on the uh, manga as well so I thought he did a really good job the CGI in this thing is just extraordinary some of the best like Michael Bay wished that he would have had a, had the designers that he had on it because they were phenomenal. The, the, the character design of these characters are just they were they really did a great job bringing this to life and really touching the essence of the manga and the anime. Just phenomenal. But he was great. He was he was perfect for this role as Zarpon uh, in here. It's really awesome. Jackie Earl Haley, our own favorite character of all of Watchmen, Horshack, um, from the Watchmen, he played uh, Griska, and uh, man, again, another great performance, this guy I don't think gets enough credit for what he does, he is awesome at every role he's ever played in anything, you know, dating back since Watchmen, he's just phenomenal, and um, he did really well on his character, of course, he does the voice, the CGI in there is, he's one of my favorite character looking, he's one of my favorite character designs of the entire uh, movie. Just the way they put them together, it's just, it's just beautiful. They didn't stare away from the anime at all in this thing. Uh, Keen Johnson, uh, you guys know if you watch Ready Player One, he was the main actor on there. He played Hugo, and I think that was a perfect cast right there because casting right there because he does look like the actual Hugo. He looks like the Hugo that comes to life from the manga and anime. Perfect. And this dude, um, he's been getting around. He's been getting around real well. And again, he's playing a apocalyptic, you know, a post-apocalyptic type of um, movie, futuristic movie, if you will. And he does really well with this. So hopefully they'll get him into something else different from this, but he's done, he's done really well in these types of roles too. And he does no different here. He, he's very believable as Hugo and this and um i in every character i i do got to point out every character in this movie mimics the characteristics of the anime and the manga but with more depth they 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 
done a great job adding a little bit more, but not too much and not staring away from the source. So if you're one of those people, uh, much like me, who enjoys watching adapted movies based on your favorite whatever, and they do reply to source a lot, this is that movie. This is absolutely that movie here. Uh, Jorge uh, Lindenberg, what is it, Lindenberg Jr., and if you guys watched Bumblebee movie, he was on air. He plays Tanji on air. Uh, so if you watched the anime and you watched the movie, you know what's going to happen with him. So, but he play. I like him better in here than he did on any than his character on Bumblebee because he played a geeky character on Bumblebee, and it didn't fit because it's like, how the hell does he look like a geek? This dude was shredded. He had a shredded like body, and he wasn't a bad looking dude. So I'm like, where does the geek part come about? Like, no real geek, especially in the 1980s, looked like that. <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing that was, that was very, you know, 80s appropriate is that he had a fro. It's like, other than that, it's like, where the hell you see a geek with that, you know, d- definition, and that body definition? That doesn't exist. <laughs> but, I mean, not to say that he didn't do the role good. He was really good at his role. But I think there was like, all right, I can't believe him as to be a geek. He played a geek character very uh, really well but it's like if you just based on his personality and not his visual it's like no nah, why is he getting pushed around this dude is like he he's shredded what the hell so that was cool right there I, I did like him in here he played a much more intriguing character here on in this movie and um uh, the last one i want to mention which they did not mention at all he was not credited in the movie and it was a total surprise at the end again by now if you're listening to this i assume that you are watching this you've already watched this movie or you just want to know more about the movie before you go see it so if you don't want to be spoiled fast forward now because the surprise actor in here was nova uncredited played by ed norton i was very excited i'm I, i'm a huge ed norton fan um he to me he i mean i love mark ruffalo uh, respectfully as a Hulk, but he's, you know, Ed Norton also too is my Hulk as well as my Bruce Banner. Definitely without a doubt. Um, but yeah, man, it, it um, this is going to be good. This is, this movie or movie series is going to be good. I love this movie wholeheartedly. Um, you got to go out of your way to see this movie. It's awesome. There's some really great scenes and some things that are going on. Uh, but here's the contrast between the OVA anime, because again, that's all I saw. Uh, and uh, from that's, I never read the anime, uh, the manga, but I watched the anime when I was younger. Uh, and I actually, I just recently watched the anime. That's why I'm so excited and surprised at how much they took from the anime. Like the scenes are just, it's like they really didn't have to do too much because they really took from this is exactly what I wanted to happen with certain movies that are adapted to whether comic books or anime is that you already have the source here you have the source right here and what when you here's the the natural order of Japan when it comes to this type of fandom is that they do a manga the manga becomes successful. It turns into an anime. That anime takes directly from the source of the manga. Majority of them do. Takes directly to the source of the anime with a few fillers or whatever like that. But when you go to those scenes of... Like, I, I read My Hero Academia uh, right up to the part of, you know, All Might and All for One. And 
I finally got to see it on anime form, and it is beautifully seen. You know, it's like the it just came to life on a panel. Well, James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez did the same thing here, and taking it from the anime, taking it from the manga, and bringing it and just like making the panels come to life here. And I haven't seen anything like that since The Watchmen and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Like almost word for word and scene, it literally word for word, scene from scene. And I mean, there was some really interesting parts, like even at the very end. And I was like, oh my God, they really did do this exact thing in the movie. I was so thrilled when I watched the anime again just yesterday. Uh, I, I was really excited about it. It was awesome. Now, the contrast between the anime and the movie here, I want to point out the anime was only, the OVA anime was only an hour. And people understand, it kills me because people always, when it comes to like 13 episode series or something like that, I don't think people in this generation remember or know what an OVA is, and that's original video animation. These are short miniseries or one-time movies or whatnot of certain animes. Not all of them are meant to be series, you know? So I don't think OVAs exist anymore to that extent. I'm not sure if they do, but that term is barely mentioned anymore. So... I thought it was I thought it's hilarious when every when you got people saying I hope there's another season I'm like if it we're like we're because back you know back in the 90s when we were watching it we understood it was like okay oh excuse me uh, just uh, forgive me um you know back in the day it was just a one-time deal and you just in, kept enjoying what you enjoyed you know and there was no crying if there was no other season because you got everything you needed from that OVA you know, series and I, and there were some like Tenchi Moyu that had an actual series and then they had an OVA version as well. And from there and Ramna had an OVA series as well from there. So you had those type of animes that did that too, but even still they were short series and I don't think they were even canon. And I know Tenchi Moyu was not canon to the original because they had different situations. One had Tenchi's father, the other one had another, um, the OVA version had another, you know, antagonist in there. So that was a whole thing right there. Uh, I believe Brotherhood, uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is also, I think, in that same role because they they had the same storylines leading up until it separates when it, you know, when they talk about the father uh, in Brotherhood. And But the original OVA does not have the father in there. So I don't know if they consider that an OVA or not or what. I don't. Never understood the difference between the two or why they even made two versions of that. But it is what it is. But here, you know, this is the OVA when this OVA was only uh, like 55 minutes. So that's all you got. And that's it, 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 it was a very condensed version of everything that happened in the first two volumes of Battle Angel Alita in the manga. So they crammed, they pretty much crammed the first two. And basically, that's what the movie is based on. So, in fact, the movie is, it, it really covers the anime OVA more, to, more than it is the manga in this case. So, because there's a lot of scenes. The, what was not mentioned, and I think, which is a part of the manga, is the motorball scene. Um, they did manage to break in the motorball factor into the uh, series, or into the movie, which is uh, part of the manga, if I understand. I've seen panels of that, of her playing uh, motorball, so they added that part to it as well. The focus on her past as a warrior, that's another thing uh, that I believe they added on that wasn't talked about in the OVA. 
they they rarely talked about that at all in the OVA. Nor was there any mention of Nova in the OVA. And apparently, for what I understood and I read up, is that not only is there one Nova, there's different versions of Nova you know, in here. So I don't know how long they're going to reach to this, but I need them to keep on going with this series if they're going to keep bringing in power like this. Oh, it's awesome. Um, they also uh, have um, Vector, which is in He's in there, but his connection to Nova. So if you see in the scenes with Mar- Mahershala uh, Ali's Vector, he's being controlled at times to or taken over by Nova every so often. And uh, that's a whole situation there. So we don't know who Nova is until the very end and when they actually show him. But he's being, he's pretty much had puppet strings on uh, Vector in the whole entire time. Uh, the focus on the affection between Alita and Hugo. Now, on the OVA version, the, that anime version, they they have more of a platonic relationship. And it was supposed to, I guess it was supposed to lead in at the very end that Hugo loved her, but they never really focused on it. But the movie version, they acknowledge attraction to each other throughout the movie. So you get an idea that they're going to end up hooking up to some extent, leading to the inevitable at the end of that, uh, of the movie. So I thought that was pretty cool there too. Uh, and then of course, naming Alita instead of Gali, um, because it was based on Alita is the name of his daughter. I thought that was a good deal too, to change up on. Cause I, I don't understand the Gali thing anyway. And maybe they will mention the name of Gali in the other episodes. I don't know because she still is trying to uh, get her memory back completely. And at the time, she only knew herself as 99 based on the number that she had when she or what they were calling her from her memories when she was battling on the moon. So which are also great moments and scenes in there. The motorball. Uh, scenes in there are really great and the memory scenes in there is great but everything it's like it's hard to really pick an actual great scene because the entire movie is visually awesome and i mean in a sense that like especially if you watch the ova and then watch this i it's hard i would say go watch the movie first if you haven't seen the ova go watch the movie but then watch the ova and see how much they did i think it's better to do it that way uh, the you can find on YouTube the original anime of that. Again, it's 55 minutes, but it really does condense and, you know, about majority of what you see in that movie is in that anime. It's amazing what they've done. So overall, I hope this is a way to continue this series. It looks like they're going to make a part two. I really hope they don't cut it off. Uh, it needs to continue I think this has a means to it. I think, and, and, and lo and behold, it did beat a lot of movies this week on the box office. So that, if that's an indication, and worldwide, I, I believe, has also done some great, um, pretty good numbers too. Uh, if this is an indication, yes, I really need him to do a part two. I will fully support this. This is one of the best anime adaptions and manga adaptions I've ever seen. This will indeed be more of a cult classic. Uh, I think because... The fact that a lot of, you know, Marvel movies, DC movies are overwhelming things that people aren't able to get as hyped as they are for like Endgame and all these other ones, Infinity Wars and all that when it was out. Uh, so they, it, it not not that many people know. Had this movie and the way it is right now came out during, I think, during the Matrix or before the Matrix, this would have revolutionized a lot of stuff. 
<laughs> this just the way movie is being made and CGI is done. This would have revolutionized so much. I mean, this is James Cameron at his best. I mean, you and Robert Rodriguez, they did a tremendous job. If I'm grading this, it gets an A plus, without a doubt. Go out of your way to check out this movie in some form or fashion, or just you know, support this movie. If you're an anime fan, otaku, manga reader, whatever, you gotta love this. And I guarantee this is one of those movies I guarantee. During all the cons this year, the big cons like Dragon Con and San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Con, you're going to see some Alita uh, cosplays. I think you're going to see some drop dead gorgeous Alita cosplays out there. And not only that, I think this is the right time for this movie to come out. It it not only just from a technology standpoint, but from a movement standpoint, she is empowering, and that's the thing. It started out that you that you kind of you know had a heart for her in the beginning, but she really, her, she became such an empowering, you know, character by the end. Like you, this is a, this is a character you want to stand behind <laughs> in, in the front lines. You know, this is the person I want to fight with. That was like, that was the person that they created and they did a great job. So it is, this is beyond the perfect time for this movie to come out with everything going on. And we're trying to create this movement, this, uh, this uh, female empowerment going on, you can't have a better representation in Alita, by far. Of course, that's not up to me. This for most women to say, but I think if they would watch this, I don't know. I believe that I would want to believe that they feel the same way too. She was so badass in this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. Absolutely enjoyed it. A plus for me, ladies and gentlemen. That will do it for this episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Thank you very much for being a part of this show and supporting this show. Please go out of your way. Check out us on Talk Time Live, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, and now YouTube as well. YouTube is now posting our uh, our podcast on there. So it'll be shortly uploaded there. You can check it out there. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, stay tuned. Select Start is going to come this week. We may actually have an exclusive this week i'm working on an exclusive uh with someone this week so stay tuned for that really special person music wise especially so we're working on that we're going to make sure that that's airtight and uh we get that back on so stay tuned for that and much much more and of course we'll be back next week for more to come ladies and gentlemen thank you on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live I am out of here. People, continue to protect and save and be the herald that they need. Take care. ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.